0: Hi, I'm Marcia, and I'm Amy. This is Blood Tide, a mother-daughter storytelling podcast.
1: Welcome back, BT Buddies. Today's
0: episode is part two of the Larry Ray Sarah Lawrence cult story. If you have not listened to part one, we recommend going back and listening to episode five, which is part one. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to briefly mention some things. Obviously, we're not a political or news podcast, but in light of recent events, we wanted to acknowledge the victims and their families senseless violence needs to end in our country and no one should be afraid to go to the grocery store hospital church or even school we don't have all the answers nor do we know exactly what to do you know i wish i could write and pass a law that protected us but unfortunately i can't and that's why voting is so important we need to vote for elected officials that care about protecting our citizens not just people who want to push their agendas and line their pockets I also wanted to give
1: a list of some websites that you can donate through. To donate to the victims of the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas on May 24th, there is a GoFundMe titled Donate to Uvalde, Texas Elementary School Shooting Relief.
0: Online donations for the shooting at Topps Friendly Markets in Buffalo, New York on Saturday, May 14th can be made to the GoFundMe titled Fundraiser by National Compassion Fund,
1: Buffalo Survivors Fund. Donations to support the families of victims in last Wednesday's shooting in Tulsa can be sent to the St. Francis Employee Emergency Fund through the Tulsa Community Foundation.
0: And to donate to the victims and their families of the shooting at the Geneva Presbyterian Church in Laguna Woods, California, on Sunday, May 15th, there is a GoFundMe titled Victims Fund for SoCal Taiwanese
1: Church Shooting. We will list the links to these websites in our show notes. Show notes are located in the text next to today's episode wherever you listen to this podcast. All right, that's enough of the business. Let's get into
0: it. I want to do a quick recap because there has been some time that's passed since part one, and I'm nice like that. In the first part, we learned about Larry Ray's life before Sarah Lawrence. He had ties to mobsters, high-ranking New York Police Department officials, and he even claimed to work for NATO in the late 90s. We talked about the students, Isabel Pollock, Daniel Barbin-Levin, Claudia Drury, Santos Rosario, and Larry's daughter, Talia Ray. I described the horrendous and hideous things Larry did to these students over the course of a year or more. Larry forced some students to have sex while he watched and participated. Larry controlled the students' schedules, what they ate, and their medications. Part 1 ended with Daniel leaving Larry and the group. To hear all the awful things he did, you'll have to go back and listen to Part 1. Daniel leaving did not diminish Larry's resolve or control. He continued wielding absolute power over the remaining students and set his sights on the future. A short while later, Santos introduced Larry to his older sisters, Yalitza and Felicia. Yalitza was an undergrad at Columbia, and her sister, Felicia, the eldest, was a Harvard graduate and also had a medical degree from Columbia. Felicia was just starting her career when she was introduced to Larry. Very quickly, Felicia and Larry started having those giddy all-night phone conversations. (laughs) When I read this, my brain automatically flashed to high school, and I remember in such vivid detail having those all-night conversations with my crush and watching the window get brighter and brighter and being so excited. So we've established that they're forming a relationship via phone, and Felicia was a new resident at an L.A. hospital, which if you watched ER or Greg's Anatomy, you understand that being a resident is exhausting and time-consuming. Despite working days on end, Felicia and Larry kept talking on the phone whenever Felicia had a free moment. During these conversations, Larry started to convince Felicia that people were after her. Despite all her education and life experiences, she believed Larry's lies. Felicia abandoned her residency and moved across the country to live with Larry. Felicia and Larry formed a romantic relationship very fast. After only a short amount of time, they were discussing marriage and the possibility of children. I don't want you to forget about Isabella. Last you heard, Larry was sleeping in Isabella's room and quote-unquote protecting her. Many people have said that Larry referred to both Felicia and Isabella as his quote-wife. While Larry is wooing Felicia, the housemates are entering their senior year. If you remember, Larry had been providing the group a pretty comfortable lifestyle. They had fancy dinners, a car service, and the New York apartment. And all of these things are not cheap. During the housemate's senior year, Larry started to manipulate them into owing him money. Larry started accusing the housemates of ruining and breaking expensive items. Larry had a running tally of money owed for each roommate. At one point, Santos had racked up a list of more than 50 items,
1: calculating around $4,700. Wow, that's like $1,000 an item almost. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot of breaking things. Claudia,
0: Isabella, Yalitza, and Felicia helped install a drainage system at Larry's stepfather's house in North Carolina. When the women returned home, they started asking friends and family for money, saying they damaged Larry's stepfather's property. Larry also constructed scenarios which he was being extorted for money, telling the group they needed to ask their families for money in order to help him. When I learned about this in my research, I had a big WTF moment. Like, did he realize he separated these people from all their friends and family? He ruined relationships. Like, he literally had Claudia convinced that her mother did not love her, but he wants them to go and ask these people for money. Like, sometimes I, this guy is freaking nuts. I don't think it, he is.
1: <laughs> no, I think he's purposeful and is just conning them. Yeah. And they don't realize it.
0: Most of the students did contact their parents for money. Santos even threatened suicide if his parents did not give him the money. Santos's father tried to visit the apartment to see Santos, but when he arrived, Larry appeared in the lobby and blocked him from going up. Out of fear for their son's safety, Santos's parents gave him as much money as they could. Santos's parents estimate that they gave Larry more than $200,000 over the course of three years. They were forced to sell their house to cover the costs. Unbelievable. I know, like, I can't believe they actually gave that $200,000. I know my son is little, but if he called me asking for money because he needed to give to some man or to protect him, and I went to go visit him and some man tried to stop me from getting to him, I would do whatever it took like to get to Aiden and kidnap him and take him from that situation.
1: 72 <laughs> That's what comes to
0: mind. It's interesting that you say that because they went to the New York Police Department three separate times, but were told the police couldn't do anything because Santos was over the age of 18. Claudia's parents also alerted the police and were told the same thing. In 2017, the police conducted a wellness check on Claudia and determined that she was acting of her own free will.
1: It seems unfortunate that these parents didn't know each other because independently making these calls to the police didn't really result in any kind of change but maybe if they had been collectively going then there might have been a little bit more detail a little bit more reason for the police to see what was going on in totality in that house and do something about it don't
0: forget to check out our instagram for episode teasers our handle is at Tide
1: podcast
0: In spring of 2013, Talia and Isabella graduated from Sarah Lawrence College. Claudia graduated a semester late in the winter of 2013, and Santos unfortunately never graduated. Larry attended Claudia's commencement ceremony, and according to Claudia's mother, Green, the dean of students approached her and Claudia's father saying, quote, well, I'm so glad I won't be seeing him anymore. And if you remember from part one, Green had previously told them that, a f- that Larry had the right to visit his daughter on campus, and he said that there was no record that he lived on campus. In 2014, Larry suggested that Claudia work as an escort. She used a nom de gar, which is a fake name or pseudonym used in a particular scenario. Claudia's Namjagar was a combination of Larry's daughter's names. Her website advertised services starting at $8,000 a night. $8,000 a night? I know. And when I stumbled across this in my research, I was like, what? That's so much. So I looked up the average charge for a night with an escort and just let you know they can range from like state to state. And I took the average from Las Vegas, New York, and New Jersey, and California. And I found that a charge for a new client is around $2,000 to start. Now that client can tip over that amount, but that's like the base. I also found a website that were are charging $4,000 overnight. I looked it up because I was interested in seeing what the typical rate for like an escort is because I thought $8,000 was a lot of money to charge. But I was wondering if Larry was like telling her to charge that much so he could take it or... I, Is it eight? I guess it's eight thousand dollars a date and however. I don't long know. The it didn't date. specify like an hour, a night. I'm assuming eight thousand dollars for full one dinner,
1: or was it
0: a partial later on? We, I, I tell you how much like she made on average. So she gave all of her profits to Larry. So all of her profits went to Larry. Later, Claudia revealed that on a bad week, she made ten thousand dollars, and on a good week, she made fifty thousand dollars. Holy, but no matter what, she always handed the money over to Larry and Isabella. I know, fifty thousand dollars. That's
1: a that's a lot of working.
0: You may be asking yourself, why the heck is she giving all of this money to Larry and not just a percentage? Because I was like, is he her pimp? Because I think pimps you give a percentage to. You don't give him the whole. I don't. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule, Amy, because it's all not yeah. At least what they tell you to do. Yeah, probably. But. Earlier in the episode, I told you when he made them go to North Carolina and install the drain system, so she was paying him her escort money to pay for that, but I was confused because she was there with other girls, so I don't know if she was paying for all of their damages, just hers. I couldn't find anything stating the other girls paid, so I'm not sure if she was taking sole responsibility, but...
1: (laughs) That whole drainage system scenario, right, it costs a lot of money to... You got to dig things up, right? There are pipes, like they're they're heavy equipment. Yeah, there's they're a heavy...
0: picture on one of the sources, like um the of like when they were there and Larry standing and they're doing work and the whole yard is dug yeah. up and there's a there's like wheelbarrows and stuff everywhere and they just look like they were dying and he was just standing there like hey,
1: I mean, so. How did he think that was going to end up... I'm being, being... You know what? He
0: probably thought it was going to end up not working. And he was just doing it like, you guys ruined this drainage system. My stepfather's property now. you It was probably a con from the beginning. And his stepfather's
1: there now with a non-functioning drainage system. That's horrible. Yeah, who knows what... And now they're continuing to pay for it. And what are they paying for exactly? Did they have someone the, else go back in and fix it? The damage to the property... That's what they're paying for. There
0: was damage to the property.
1: Well, no shit. You you have to dig everything up.
0: I wonder if they even know, I wonder if when they did it, I know we're going on a rant, but I wonder when they installed the drain system, if like they actually even did anything or if he was just having, cause I wouldn't know if somebody was Amy, like, Oh,
1: that's heavy. Like,
0: no, I know. But I'm saying, I wonder if they, if they just like dug things and put things in the ground or if they actually did it, how you're supposed to do it. Cause did he show them, Hey, now it's working. Like, I'm, you know, I'm wondering if it was all con from the beginning, did oh, he just I have you. them doing whatever Random because they don't even know what they're you're doing, doing the drain Yeah, and system. to tell
1: them later, Oh, you damaged it. Now yeah. you owe me. But to, to take a trip from New York to NC and like and back for uh, what a vacation wow. <laughs> for him.
0: Yeah. So not only has Claudia been subjected to Larry and all of his abuse, but now she's spending time with clients doing things we can only imagine. And I'm I sure don't want
1: to imagine.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure it's not easy on her. And if that's not bad enough, all the money she earns is being give, given to this freaking asshole. Excuse my French. I know you don't like when I say that. but <laughs> It's not French. In 2014, Larry, Isabella, and Felicia were still living on 93rd Street. Santos and Yulitza still came to the apartment, but no longer lived there. That same year, Larry was evicted from the 93rd Street apartment. Chen, Larry's landlord, was increasingly disturbed by Larry's treatment of the young adults living in the apartment.
1: Oh, so no longer did he want to participate in the shenanigans that were- Yeah, because he was involved in some of the sexual
0: activities. Yeah. Oh, now he's like, it's too much. Larry responded to the eviction by countersuing Chen, listing Felicia, Isabella, and Talia as co-plaintiffs. The case went to trial in early 2015. Claudia, Isabella, and Yalitza testified as witnesses. You ready for this? (laughs) Claudia was the first witness questioned in the trial. Larry's lawyers asked her how long she had known Larry. Just when I thought this story couldn't get any weirder, Claudia testified that she had known Larry since she was nine years old stating that there was an elaborate conspiracy tracing back through three generations of her family. She testified she heard her grandfather talking about Larry. She also testified that Larry's mother had contacted her mother and told her to send Claudia to Sarah Lawrence in order to hurt Larry and Talia. Claudia explained that Larry's old friends, Carrick and Giuliani from Part 1, were behind this mission. She told the court that when she enrolled at Sarah Lawrence, her family started receiving money from Carrick. For the record, Carrick denies any involvement in this conspiracy against his former friend. He's quoted saying, quote, Larry is a psychotic con man who has victimized every friend he's ever had. It's been close to 20 years, and I haven't heard from it yet. His reign of terror continues.
1: So it's my turn to have a what the F, f moment. Like, what? What did people... How did they I, even... I imagine being in that courtroom? Probably was like what, like, my I... like
0: crazy <laughs> to be a jury in that case. What are you I supposed to do to, with
1: though? that information?
0: I don't know, but according to Claudia, the reason her family was being paid was because she was supposed to poison Larry using arsenic, cyanide, mercury, silver, and lead. It's like he just gave her every single poison you could I, use. I, I was Here, just gonna, say all.
1: I was just going to say like same one of those could have really maybe bad. worked. I think I, I don't know. Claudia
0: also told the judge that she was supposed to poison Talia and Isabella. Yalitza's testimony mimicked Claudia's strangeness. Yalitza claimed her parents had once been drug dealers and money launderers who pimped her out when she was a child. She claimed to have mixed poison into Larry's coffee, and like Claudia, she detailed an exhaustive list of toxins she used, including heroin, fungicide, LSD, and she also put fecal matter in his bandages. She said her parents promised to pay her $1 million for these efforts.
1: They're under oath giving this testimony. Yeah, and
0: throughout the trial, the women portrayed Larry in a wonderful light. Isabella described him as a loving father figure, which is crazy because if you remember, Larry talked about Isabella being his, quote, wife. Claudia called him the nicest, most compassionate person she'd ever met. She explained in her testimony that after years of poisoning Larry, she started to regret her actions and care for him. She even claimed her testimony was her penance.
1: I mean, they're, they're again, as I said, they're under oath. So he coached them on all of this. Are they, are they actually believing this? Are they scared to not say this? I wonder what was driving this behavior in them. Because this could have been an out, right, being there. Yeah, they could have, like,
0: testified against him. Yelitsa also described feeling guilty about the supposed poisonings. She's quoted saying, I went to the hospital in December of 2013 for a suicide attempt. It was my third attempt. I was feeling badly about everything that I was doing to Larry.
1: Did they realize that they just confessed to
0: a crime? <laughs> Poisoning somebody attempted murder. As I mentioned in Part 1, when the group lived with Larry, Isabella, Yalitza, and Claudia all attempted suicide. At one point, Larry estimated their cumulative number of attempts at more than 12. Despite the -the over-the-top testimony and emotions of Larry's witnesses, Larry lost the eviction case. Oh, so sad. Nine months after the trial, in September of 2015, Larry was in the lobby of the Hudson Hotel with Claudia and Santos. An old friend, Frank DiDomaso, saw him. Frank was a construction business owner who was previously friends with Larry. Frank calmly walked over to the group and then started beating the crap out of Larry. Claudia and Santos tried to stop Frank, but they couldn't. Most people would not look at an assault favorably, but of course Larry would use this incident to make his housemates feel sorry for him. It was just another example Larry used to prove that there was a conspiracy against him. Larry sent a letter to the U.S. attorney outlining the conspiracy against him. He also met with a special agent at the EPA to try to persuade him to investigate the poisonings. Larry then created a website documenting Claudia's courtroom confessions. The website listed, 1. Poison Talia's drink at least once a day and make sure her entire fridge was poisoned. 2. Put mercury on her toothbrush. 3. Put arsenic and mercury in her undergarments. This website even had a link to a video in which Claudia was sitting on the bed saying, I never stop poisoning Lawrence Ray, Talia Ray, as well as Felicia and Isabella. I want to mention that Claudia looks very out of it and drowsy in this video. Off-screen, Larry asks her if she's saying this of her own free will. Yes, Claudia responds immediately. And you want to make this because of what? Larry asked her. Because I want to tell the truth, she said.
1: This whole scenario or ongoing scenario reminds me of the idea of fact and what you think is fact and what someone else thinks is fact or people seeing the same thing and having different ideas of what the facts are and things get confused and maybe people say something that's not a fact and over time they say it enough that they start to think that it is
0: Since the eviction on 93rd Street, Isabella, Felicia, and Larry have lived in New Jersey. His relationship with Isabella is very confusing, as are most things with Larry. Sometimes Isabella acts like his assistant, carrying his computer and screening his phone calls. Other times, she's more clearly a girlfriend. When asked if he's romantically involved with Isabella and Felicia, Larry says only that he hasn't been able to have sex in years on account of the poisonings. Larry will tell anyone who will listen that he is constantly in pain. Because of the poisoning, he's lost his teeth, and he has massive headaches and has a limp. He has also divided the former students into two camps. On one side, you have Talia, Felicia, and Isabella, who were poisoned. And on the other side, you have Claudia, Yalitza, and Santos, who he believes are the poisoners. Larry claims that Talia has also suffered long-term effects from the supposed poisonings. He claims she has a hard time concentrating and things that should take her no time at all take her hours to complete. Talia stopped living with Larry. She moved to Larry's stepfather's house in North Carolina. Larry insists they still talk almost every day. Larry also claims to have lost touch with Santos and Yulitza. An interesting fact about Santos and Yulitza is that their parents have not spoken to them since 2013. I thought after breaking free of Larry that they would have like run back or at least talked to their parents. But honestly, we don't know the circumstances of how their relationship with Larry ended. I did find one source that claims Santos spent time in Bellevue Hospital Psychiatric Center and then he lived in a homeless shelter in 2016. That's just so sad. I know that he chose that instead of like going back to his family. But maybe he needed the psychiatric center help. But then the homeless shelter is really awful. Maybe he just got like kicked out of the psychiatric center and then he had nowhere to go or something. Isabella's family also hadn't heard from her. After Larry called that winter break, which we talked about in part one, Isabella's mother had not been able to get in touch with her daughter. Even though Isabella hadn't seen her mother, she occasionally called her father, which her parents are divorced, to ask him for money. Later that year, Claudia met up with a former employer, and during their conversation, she kind of word vomited that Larry strapped her to a chair and put a plastic bag over her head until she almost passed out. She was starting to fear that Larry might actually kill her. The former employer bought her a ticket out of the city that night. She turned off her phone and left without packing her stuff. Soon after she left the city, Claudia
1: sought and received care. Well, that's good to hear that, that maybe she got some help. Yeah. And that that woman or whoever it was that she talked to helped her, helped the her employer, yeah. and believed her. Yeah. Two weeks
0: later, after Claudia left New York, Larry was still trying to find her. He sent her an email that said, quote, you said you would never run and hide. And I have no understanding as to what you were doing now. In my experience, the truth has always been important to you and proper regard for the truth has always helped you. He went on to say, you asked me to promise to never abandon you. And I have not. In 2019, an article on TheCut.com titled The Stolen Kids of Sarah Lawrence detailed a host of abuses performed by Larry. This article revealed Larry's cult leader tactics and caused federal prosecutors to look into the article's allegations. Prosecutors found that Larry moved into Sarah Lawrence with his daughter and friends. Then he presented himself as a mentor, isolated the students from their parents, pressured them into degrading acts, and extorted hundreds and thousands of dollars from them. Larry Ray was arrested and indicted on charges of conspiracy, exploitation, forced labor, and sex trafficking.
1: All that came from this the cut.com article is yeah, that's what wow. That's so they so they read things, <laughs> I guess.
0: I think it became like a like sort of viral. So okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what internet now. It's so prevalent. It has to have like an impact on what they look at probably. Yeah. For nearly a decade, Lawrence Ray exploited and abused young women and men emotionally, physically, and sexually for his own financial gain, said Jeffrey S. Berman, the then United States Attorney in Manhattan. Prosecutors say that Larry subjected at least seven victims to fake, quote, therapy sessions in order to learn intimate details about their private lives. On March 8, 2022, Larry Ray stood trial for his list of crimes that I previously mentioned. During the trial, federal prosecutors showed the courtroom how much of a monster Larry Ray really is. They went through painstaking detail. They explained how Larry took advantage of the students by understanding their vulnerabilities and mental health struggles. They told the courtroom about the extracted false confessions and how Larry would use those confessions to extort the students. They mentioned how Larry alienated the students from their families, inflicted brutal punishments on them, and laundered about $1 million from them.
1: So this just happened this year? 2022, yes. Wow.
0: Prosecutors introduced statements by accused co-conspirators, including Isabella Pollock. Prosecutors said that Isabella was one of Larry's, quote, trusted lieutenants, as well as his daughter, Talia. Isabella was charged with conspiracy related to sex trafficking, extortion, and rocketeering. She pleaded not guilty and will be tried separately. Talia Ray, who has not been charged, was first described as co-conspirator in court filings prosecutors wrote that she had profited from the supported Larry misdeeds and cited an email that said that she sent him in 2003 that said quote what you have done with my friends is the most amazing and beautiful thing I've ever seen now you know when I was reading that 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 like so the email if the email just said that there wasn't any context if the email said anything else but that email alone doesn't really say like maybe she thought what he was doing was really good I'm not like sticking up for her. I'm just saying that seems like a weird thing to use to say she was a co-conspirator. Well, she's, well, what you have done with my friends is the most amazing and beautiful thing I've ever seen. Maybe she really thought those things. But if, I'm just playing If she was advocate.
1: talking about the crimes, if yeah, was, I don't know the context of what she's she talking about. And she may say, "Well, that's beautiful because she's okay with those crimes committing them." Yeah, but, but how do you prove to a judge or whoever you get,
0: like, or a district attorney that you get an indictment from? How do you prove that that's what she was talking about with that email as well? Well, you'd
1: have to have more context. Yeah, maybe there it. Is and
0: They just didn't. Put right. It in my, but
1: but maybe this was in 2013. Maybe this was in the beginning when he moved in with her and they were he was hosting dinners and maybe that's, yeah, that's what i was saying which you, maybe yeah. it was limited to that we don't understand the context the Full context yeah you're right
0: actions described by prosecutors show that larry used methods of control similar to cult leader keith ranieri of Nixium. i watched that documentary by the way that was crazy you did watch that no i didn't watch that uh, it's but... on hbo i think okay it's a good one so now i need to watch it yeah Both men were said to have led others to believe they were broken, then isolated them from their families while indoctrinating them. A professor of sociology at California State University and author of several books on cults said Larry's behavior was typical of cult leaders, who plunge followers into emotional crises and then offer salvation. During Larry's trial, in true Larry fashion, he was taken out of the courtroom by ambulance. On two separate days during the trial, he had a mysterious illness. One of Larry's victims told the prosecutors that Larry had once fake medical symptoms to make it appear as if he had a seizure. That allegation appeared in notes from the prosecutor's interview with Larry's so-called wife, Felicia Rosario, on March 22nd. Larry would contort his face to look like he was having a seizure, sort of like a joker, she said. Larry's first reported medical episode at trial occurred on March 15th during cross-examination. His defense attorneys claimed that at that time he was having a real seizure because they're medical doctors. Claudia was testifying during Larry's second medical issue that occurred exactly one week later. Claudia had testified that she made $2.5 million for Larry over the course of four years. During that time, she said she worked seven days a week, saw up to five men a day, and took no breaks, even over holidays and her birthday. Claudia also testified that once she fled New York, Larry found her and forced himself into her hotel room. He handcuffed her naked to a chair, choked her with a leash and collar, and repeatedly placed a plastic bag over her head, causing her to gasp for oxygen. Santos testified, telling the court that Larry made Isabella put diapers on him and his sisters.
1: What? I know.
0: Other housemates testified that Larry would force them to falsely confess to poisoning him and damaging his property. Here, here's where they're actually where they're talking stuff about, about it. it. They would also rack up enormous debts that Larry would enforce through brutality and Im- intimidation. Santos, Tali Ray's ex-boyfriend, said that he and his sisters paid $150,000 in such purported debts. The sibling's mother corroborated their testimony, saying that Larry estranged her from her children for years.
1: So the mother did come then, and so she came and testified, even though they weren't talking, right? Yeah. Interesting.
0: After less than a day of deliberations, the jury found Larry guilty. On April 6, 2022, Larry was convicted of the following crimes. Rocketeering conspiracy, conspiracy to commit extortion, extortion, sex trafficking, obtaining forced labor, forced labor trafficking, conspiracy to obtain forced labor, violating the Travel Act, and four counts of tax evasion and money laundering. That's a long list of things. Larry has been locked up in the Brooklyn Metropolitan Detention Center since his arrest in 2020. Now at 62, he will live the rest of his life in prison. I also wanted to talk about where some of the students and roommates were now after all of this happened. And just to disclose, I tried to find information on all of them, but I could only find information on some of them. Felicia now works as a tutor, and her younger sister, Yulitza is unemployed.
1: Felicia had a medic- medical degree from Columbia, and now she's tutoring and not using that.
0: I don't know what she's a tutor of, but... Hmm. They were in court to hear Larry's verdict and after left the courtroom with the prosecutors. They declined to speak to any reporters. Daniel sought help and got it. He found a group for cult escapees and slowly opened up about his experience. Eventually, he shared the full extent of what happened with his parents. I couldn't find any information on Claudia or Santos other than their testimonies. Isabella attended Larry's initial court appearances until she was accused of being his co-conspirator. She was arrested and released on a $100,000 bail and was placed on electronic monitoring. She was also warned to have no contact with the victims. She has pled not guilty and due to stand trial later this year. Talia has been named as a co-conspirator but remains unindicted.
1: That's a lot of information. It, it, It still feels, though, unfinished or unresolved. And it's sad for those students. I mean, it, I'm wondering if they, if they're okay, if they're able to work in their school or what they finished in school. Are they going to be able to pursue that? It it just feels unresolved and has like a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll be sure to update our listeners on Isabella's trial when she appears in court, and if Talia faces charges in this case. Thanks, Amy, for the story, and thanks everyone for listening. Yes, and thank you for listening to parts one and two of the story. For more information and source notes, check out our website or Instagram at Bloodtide Podcast. And we will also be posting a corresponding video to this episode on Friday, so be sure to check for that video on TikTok at
1: Bloodtide Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: We'll be back on June 23rd with a new Marshes mini episode.
0: Thanks for being a BT buddy and don't join a cult.